It's time for the only local show in St. George with the top guests, the hot topics, and the most compelling conversations. It's the Andy Griffin Show on KDXU, Southern Utah's news talk leader. Welcome to the program. I am Andy Griffin, 10 minutes after 9 o'clock. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, I feel kind of like I got beat up last night. Uh, we we worked uh, late into the night. I was here till about midnight uh, covering the election. Uh, none of the races in Washington County were close. Uh, that's the good news. Uh, Republicans did very, very well. In fact, uh, Jimmy Keston, who was a guest uh, yesterday, uh, said that he wanted the Republican Party to make a statement when it came to Washington County elections. And uh, for the most part in the state of Utah, that has happened. Now, there are two Two uh, caveats to that. Uh, one of them is uh, up north. This is not in our district. It doesn't affect us, but uh, it doesn't affect us directly. But it looks like Ben McAdams, the Democrat, will, uh, in fact, beat uh, Burgess Owens, the uh, challenger uh, for the, uh, the uh, district. What is it? District. Uh, I need to look it up, actually. So I know, I know uh, speaking of the right number, uh, where is it? Uh, I guess I need my assistant to look that up. Problem is, I don't have an assistant. Anyway, uh, Ben McAdams, that looks like he's going to beat Burgess Owens. Uh, disappointing, obviously, that uh, a, a Democrat could uh, thrive and survive in, in uh, Utah. but uh, And that helps the Democrats to hold on to the House. The Republicans lost two seats in the Senate but gained a seat as a former Alabama coach, uh, or Auburn coach, Tommy Tuberville, won in Alabama. So... Uh, there's still a majority Republican majority in the Senate. And of course, the thing that everyone is talking about right now is the uh, presidential race. Uh, and by the way, open lines, uh, if you want to call six, seven, three, five, eight, 90, would love to hear from you on the program coming up at nine 30, uh, ish nine 32, something like that. Spencer Cox, governor elect will join us here on the air. And at nine 45 ish, Chris Stewart, us congressman who won easily. Both those guys won easily. Uh, will uh, will be on the air with us as well. We'll talk with them a little bit about uh, what they expect uh, from the future, both in the state of Utah and in this United States of America. Back to the map. I'm looking at Fox. By the way, foxnews.com has done a great job of updating uh, with all the latest numbers on the election right now. Uh, I went to bed last night at you know midnight or 1230, whenever it was, uh, 1 o'clock, and... Uh, President Bush was leading in uh, all the states that hadn't finished reporting yet. He was leading, except Hawaii. He was leading in Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Nevada. I got up this morning and uh, and got on, and uh, as I'm preparing for my morning show this morning, uh, right before my eyes, Wisconsin flipped, and uh, Joe Biden took the lead in Wisconsin as they counted those late ballots. Uh, and then uh, a little while later this morning, Michigan flipped. And uh, so right now, these are the numbers currently as of this moment. Uh, Wisconsin with 95% of the uh, uh, districts reporting. Uh, Joe Biden leads Donald Trump by, let's see, 1630000 is a total for Biden. 1609000 is a total for Trump. So by uh, about 21000 Joe Biden is leading Trump in Wisconsin uh, with 95%, that's not an insurmountable lead, but, uh, you know, trends are trends, and it looks like Biden is trending to win Wisconsin. 
over in Michigan, right next door to Wisconsin. Uh, another close race, too close to call, but again, 96 now percent of the uh, districts reporting, and Biden leads uh, leads Trump by about uh, 34,000 votes out of five million, five plus, five plus million votes. Uh, you throw those two in, and Biden needs just six votes. Uh, six electoral uh, votes uh, to win the presidency, and that's exactly what Nevada has. Nevada right now with uh, 67%, so a long way to go, about two-thirds in, and uh, it's close. Biden leads Trump by 8,000 votes. I'm told, I don't know if this is true or not, that the votes still uh, waiting to be counted from Nevada are in Las Vegas, which tends to be a lot more liberal than the rest of the state. We'll wait and see on that. Uh, Trump, uh, the good news, Trump is leading Georgia. And that's pretty much, uh, he's got a big enough lead, about uh, 102,000 vote lead in Georgia, and it's 94%. You can almost call that one. Uh, North Carolina, kind of the same deal. They have a 94% uh, reporting, districts reporting, and Trump leads by uh, about uh, 78,000 votes. Uh, And then Pennsylvania is the real anomaly here, and and, Pennsylvania, the thing is that Pennsylvania uh, went through a court process. They finally decided that the, if you postmark your ballot by election day, by when the polls close on election day, then uh, they'll still count your poll, uh, count your vote, which means that uh, I, I think they gave them three days to have those be delivered. As long as they're postmarked on time, they count. So Pennsylvania actually technically may be a, a couple of days out still, from getting the official election results in. They have 64% in right now, and Trump has a huge lead, almost 10%, 9% lead, uh, of about uh, 500, a little more than 500,000 vote lead. Uh, but again, the uh, the kind of the rumor is that a lot of these uh, late votes are going to be uh, big city votes, Philadelphia in particular, and uh, those uh, big city votes tend to be uh, more liberal, more Democrat votes. Uh the thing about Pennsylvania, though, is as we get Michigan, Wisconsin, and, and Nevada, I'm told, is going to count their votes either this afternoon or tomorrow, the rest of their votes. If Biden wins those three states, Pennsylvania is irrelevant. It's over. Biden would have enough electoral votes to have won the election. Uh, that would, uh, again, that means Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, even though they're in the Trump's favors, wouldn't be enough. So, yeah, kind of scary times if we if we get this this senile, uh, uh, forgetful uh, puppet. I'm going to call him on the on, on you know in the White House. It's it's a little bit scary. I want your reaction from Election Day. Whether you want to talk about local elections, uh, congratulations to some of the local guys that uh, won uh, almost uh, almost all the incumbents won. In fact, every one of them that I can think of uh, won. Becky Dunn. Uh, uh, Seg Miller, uh, that's, uh, uh, let's see, Terry Hutchinson won, Dean Cox won overwhelmingly. And uh, and so a lot of incumbents won, but uh, the uh, presidential election has me a little bit nervous. And again, we'll wait and see on the results. Uh, again, if you want to call on the show, we'd love to hear from you, 673-5890. We're about uh, 15 minutes away from Spencer Cox, about half hour away from Chris Stewart joining me on the program to get their reaction uh, about the election. But let's go to the phone line. Caller, you're on with Andy this morning. Good morning. What's up? Well, good morning, Andy. How are you feeling today? Uh, just about how I thought I'd feel. Uh-oh. That's not a good thing, is it? Well, I expected this. Mm. 
because Democrats are involved. Therefore, you know there's going to be dishonesty and chicanery. Mm-hmm. It's already come out that the Democrats somehow managed to overcount Biden votes in Fairfax County, Virginia, by over 100,000. Wow. Yeah. So how come it would surprise anybody that Democrat-run states just can't seem to get the vote count done in time? It, it just it actually boggles the mind because you would think that there's enough I don't know. Does it come down to honesty? Does it come down to laziness? I don't know. I'm going to go to the lack of honesty category. Yeah. yeah. Because with most Democrats, and we've even got local examples that call in and prove this, that the ends justify the means. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what you do, who you destroy, what what laws you just absolutely ridicule, what, what constitutional amendment you just crush. As long as, in the end, the Democrats win. Yeah, as so, long as they get the big, yeah. bad, mean, orange guy out of the out of the White House, I guess. Yeah, it yeah. And, and speaking of that, you know, for anybody out there that's a Biden supporter that cast your vote for Biden, you know, because you don't like big, bad, orange man, um, once the Harris-Biden administration takes over, be, well, I'll wait. How's that going to work? Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> because we know that Joe isn't going to be there very long. No, well, no way. Which means that the hardcore Marxist Kamala Harris becomes president. Now, does that, maybe I'm wrong on this, and I hope I'm wrong, but doesn't that mean that nutsy Nazi Pelosi becomes the Veep? I, I don't know how that works exactly. I know she would be next in line for president if Harris were unavailable, but I don't know if that means she becomes the vice president or not. Although, uh, as nasty as she is, it's better than AOC or somebody like that getting it. <laughs> well, it, it just kind of, you know, I've been thinking about that. I mean, since it was just so amazing how last night everything was going along and then, boom, it just stopped. Yeah. And it was Democrat states that just miraculously all of a sudden had to stop counting. You know, and, and I can I can reassure everybody out there, don't worry. Votes are going to appear out of nowhere for Biden. And, in fact, rumors are going around, and I'm trying to find out about it. I can't find anything yet. But some area, 80% of the votes last minute were all for Joe Biden. Hmm. It's, it's like they had a miraculous rally, and they all decided to vote all at once. Yeah. Hmm. And it's just it's so interesting. And... Uh, so, but when it comes down to it, I guess I'll say this. If you voted for Biden and Harris just because you didn't like Big Bad Orange Man, whatever happens, you're going to get exactly what you deserve. The only problem is the rest of us have to pay for it, too. Yep. Yep. Well said. Thank you. All right. All right. See you later. Line three, caller, you're on with Andy. What's up? Oh, I just wanted to make a point. Um the president said last night that he wanted the voting to stop. He didn't want them to stop counting votes. And there was some uh, misconception about that. The Democrats That's right. are saying that he, he wants uh, the, to, them to stop counting votes, and that's not what he said at all. And then I just heard that the military votes, won't be counted until next Tuesday. Wow. And the military is more for Trump than anyone because he helped so much, you know, bring money to the military. So I just wonder why, uh, if they could have their military votes in by next Tuesday, why couldn't they have them in by this Tuesday? 
well, I guess just, you know what, you got to get your vote in by now. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. yeah, we want the military to vote. But, you know, this is a pretty scary deal. Agreed. Agreed. So, Thank you for the call. Uh-huh. Appreciate it. I uh, something I was I was thinking about. Uh, I, we we play early in the morning uh, in the six o'clock hour uh, segment by a guy by the name of Dave Ross, and maybe you've heard him before, maybe not. Uh, I thought it was fascinating that Dave Ross he tries to play it down the middle of the road. Sometimes he leans a little liberal. Sometimes he actually leans a little conservative. You just never know about him. But one of the things he said this morning I thought was, and it'll never happen, by the way. But it was a great idea, and I wish it would happen. Is Instead of us kind of the, the votes matriculating in a little bit at a time and us, you know, people who haven't voted yet are hearing results from the East Coast and, and things like that, he said they ought to put a moratorium on vote reporting until all the polls are closed, until everyone is, is, is done. And even, he said, why not do it the next day? So today, uh, you know, starting at 8 o'clock Eastern, so 6 o'clock our time, uh, then we start reporting. Now that now that every vote has been recorded, and every everyone is done, then start reporting. And he's, instead, he says we have this really screwy system in which, uh, you know, some votes are counted, some uh, states are slower than others, some you know, uh, uh, you got the East Coast West Coast thing uh, where it can really skew your vote. I mean, you, you know, let's face it, human nature is you want to vote for a winner. If you hear somebody's winning, you think, oh, maybe I'll maybe I'll vote for him since I haven't voted yet. Uh, but I like Dave Ross's idea. That's just go ahead and have your deadline, have your vote day. I know we all want to know immediately what happened, but then just don't release, don't don't allow any results to be released until the next day. Then you don't have any of that that shading or that jading of the vote. I think it's actually a pretty good idea. I, I don't know, like I said, that it's actually realistic. I don't know that it'll ever happen uh, because uh, the nature of the beast, uh, of first of all, of Americans wanting to know, and second of all, of reporters trying to scoop each other and beat each other because, you know, there's going to be uh, uh, secret sources and leaked out uh, information and things like that. Uh, but still, it actually does not seem like too bad of an idea. Uh, locally here, it was an interesting experience. Um, normally, uh, on an election night, you have uh, different uh, either parties or even just candidates who have you know, they ran out of ballroom, they ran out of convention uh, room uh, in a local hotel, uh, or just have a, a, some kind of big party in you know in the park or, or whatever. And then you have the, the traditional you know the, the numbers coming in, you get comments from the candidates throughout the evening, and then you get them to to uh, maybe make a concession speech if they're losing or an acceptance speech if they're winning. All that, that's normal election stuff. But we know for sure, of course, that uh, 2020 is anything but a normal year. And uh, and so we had uh, last night, it's funny, we sent uh, our news director, Allison Hamlin, we sent her around to try and uh, and, and get, you know, quotes, get, get people to say stuff and uh, she went to the, the Dixie Center and got a little bit there, and uh, she went to the county clerk's office and, and got a little bit there. But the thing that was missing in both those locations, there were no candidates. There was no parties. There was uh, there, there was no, uh, you know, gathering together because of COVID-19. And so we, have, we had our, our, our great uh, news director, reporter, Allie, out there, and there was no one to talk to. The good news for me is I was able to, I had phone numbers for uh, almost all the candidates here 
uh, in studio. I was able to get them and talk with them and have them on the air. And, and, and so gracious, uh, Lowry Snow, uh, Don Ibsen, Terry Hutchinson, uh, Walt Brooks. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else we had on the air. Uh, just a whole bunch. If I forgot, if I forgot you, please forgive me. Uh, but we had a whole bunch of candidates on the air last night. Uh, they were all gracious enough to join us via cell phone uh, in these times of COVID-19. It was it was kind of nice to have that, but it still didn't quite feel right. It wasn't uh, your usual election feel to it. So that was, that was a little bit a little bit screwy last night. But I hope you got a chance to tune into some of our election night coverage. It will continue our coverage, of course, uh, as they sort out the vote. Uh, here, uh, I think Nevada said they're not going fin- to they're not going to count the rest of their votes until tomorrow morning. That's that's the word I had heard from. Uh, that's what Bill Zimfer actually told me. Uh, right now, Nevada is sitting at two thirds of their precincts reporting with Biden with an eight thousand vote lead. That's out of more than a million, actually one point one six million votes in, and only an eight thousand vote lead in Nevada. It's funny as close as this is turning out to be, Nevada may actually be the straw that broke the proverbial camel's back, depending on uh, on how they end up. Right now, they are leaning Joe Biden's way. All right, go back to the phone lines, uh, open lines uh, for the next five minutes or so. Uh, caller, you're on with Andy this morning. What's up? Morning, Andy. Morning. Uh, things aren't looking so good for us. No. On the right, anyway. Not, and not. then what did you do? You bumped Rush Limbaugh this morning, so we didn't have that to look forward to, so thanks a lot. Yeah, the morning minute thing screwed up. It had, had to do with our coverage last night. We had our satellite link recorded the wrong thing. I apologize for that, but he will, he'll be on. He'll be on in a little while. Okay, maybe he can bring us from jumping over the edge. Yeah, yeah. It's Talk us sc- off the bridge. It's pretty scary, though, when they're telling you election officials on our side are locked out of the poll in places, you know. That happened in a few states, Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania. So how can they call that a fair election if our side can't monitor the counting and stuff, you know? Yeah, it's, it, it's you know, without oversight, when something is as big as this, uh, you tend to have, a, you know, some, some shenanigans. So Nevada's probably looking for some poll worker who has a couple of trunk loads of ballots in the trunk. So, you know, we got to... Yeah, given, given Las Vegas's history with the mob and stuff, it wouldn't surprise me if Joe Biden had somebody, uh, you know, somebody in it with a, with a bunch of ballots in a trunk. I think you're right. Exactly. Well, we can keep our fingers crossed. Thanks, Andy. Okay, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Six seven three five eight ninety. Uh, at least uh, Seth is on the line. Seth, uh, we got about uh, two minutes to weather. What's up? Uh, yes, uh, let's keep the weather we have and not go for the uh, Armageddon uh, snow and rain and, and sleet and hail. <laughs> oh, you up there in Central, you are going to get socked on Friday or Saturday and Sunday, I think, Seth. Well, uh, we're going to have a rock band at the uh, uh, market, so they better have their thermal underwear on <laughs> so that uh, they don't get blown away. I'd like you to maybe ask uh, our new governor, I tried to contact him and his campaign. They put me to the constituent uh, representative, and she assured me that I wouldn't ever get a chance to talk to the governor. Really? Yes. Um, And so I would like you to ask him if he's going to continue with the constituent hotline or representatives that keep people from talking to the governor and discussing issues with him. 
Well, the only thing I would say, Seth, is I understand your frustration, but man, he's got to be, you know, the governor's got to be a pretty darn busy guy. Uh, and, and if he took phone calls from everybody, that, that seemed like that would consume his day. Uh, no doubt, but on the other hand, that makes him a com- um, completely insulated, and he hardly ever appeared on your show. Is that right? Yeah, I, uh, he kind of disappeared for a while. I actually talked with his people about that. I said, hey, uh, you know, and, and this is the honest truth. Mike McGarry told me he didn't like have can- having candidates on this program because as soon as they got their election, you never heard from them again. And I actually I, I brought that up with Spencer Cox's people. I said, hey. You know, I, I, this is what I was told when I got in. You know, got got this show that you guys would disappear once once you got what you wanted, and and they assured me that is not the case, and that's actually one of the reasons he's on today. Okay, well, it, it's uh, I've been and I uh, here's the conversation just very briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, well, he's running for office. I'll go. I'll go through his campaign to speak to him. And she said with a little snarl in her voice, uh, good luck with that, honey. <laughs> no, no, honey. But, yeah, that was her attitude and that she was damn sure that she could prevent me from ever having an opportunity to speak to my governor. Mm, that's, that's definitely frustrating, Seth. I feel your pain. You bet. And if you'll just discuss that, and it's an actual experience, and I dealt with his, with his surrogates that, you know, uh, they're not interested in recording or reporting to him what this guy wanted and then calling back to yeah. see if that's worthy. But nonetheless, that's how I was treated. Okay. Well, we'll see if we can get some answers. Thank you, Seth. Thank you. Welcome back to the program. Andy Griffin with you on the Andy Griffin Show. It's 934 here on KDXU. I've got Spencer Cox on the line with me. Governor-elect now, Spencer Cox. How does that sound? Uh, it sounds a little bit surreal, but we're, <laughs> we're very excited. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, actually, what, the guy that preceded me uh, hosting this show said, hey, I don't like having candidates on because once they win, you never hear from them again. And I thought, well, I hope that's not true. And uh, it's good that you're on the air and uh, prove that uh, that old axiom wrong. I'm glad you're here, Spencer. Thanks for coming on. Well, it's great to be with you, and I think you're going to be uh, hearing a lot more from me. So don't uh, don't worry about that. I'm not going anywhere. No, you're always welcome on this show for sure. Tell me a little bit about your experience last night. I mean, honestly, once you won the primary, I think a lot of people in Utah assumed you were just going to go ahead and win the election. Did it feel like a given to you? Well, we, we weren't taking anything for granted in 2020. It's been a, a strange year, obviously, and, and it's important that we, uh, that we work for this thing. But uh, all of that being said, um, we, we certainly had a calmness going into this, and uh, nothing. It's, it's just impossible to prepare for a night like that, especially after a year and a half of campaigning. We, we announced in May of, of 2019, and so it, it feels just it feels strange. This has been part of our life. I, I told people it feels a little bit like when you stop hitting yourself in the head with a hammer. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's more of a relief than an excitement, but but most of all, just a deep gratitude for the uh, the, the incredible support. Um, that uh, even more so than we were we were expecting. Uh, most people don't know this. I didn't know this, but the the most the highest percentage of votes a uh, first term governor in the history of the state of Utah had ever gotten was fifty eight percent. That was John Huntsman back in two thousand four, and right now we're sitting at about sixty four percent. And so it it, it just uh, it was a, a real sense of gratitude for the overwhelming support. And let me throw in there in Washington County. 
69.2%, Spencer. So uh, obviously you have some backers here in uh, in southern Utah. Did you ever dream, uh, uh, let's go back 10 years. Oh, oh, and by the way, May of 2019 feels like it was 10 years ago, but let's go back <laughs> a, a real decade. Did you ever think that, uh, that this was going to happen in your life? A little guy from Fairview, Fairview Utah. No, no, not, I mean, not even a couple years ago, I, to be perfectly honest. They just, they, they don't let kids from Sanpete County do things like this. And, <laughs> uh, and so it's not, yeah, no, it's, 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 honestly, it's never been something that I dreamed about. It's, it's never been something I thought about, never something I, I particularly wanted. Um, it's, it's just not, um, it's just not part of my, my DNA. And so it makes it just that much, uh, that's much more humbling and uh, and overwhelming, uh, and 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 it's not lost on me. I saw those numbers in uh, in Washington County, and I'm incredibly grateful for the the, the wonderful support we have down there. Now, I had a caller call a few minutes ago and wanted to know uh, the access to you. Now, I understand uh, probably more than most that uh, you know uh, get, you know someone like you is incredibly busy, and you can't take phone calls day to day from from your constituents. You can't. I mean, you just don't have time to to take phone calls, but uh, he was curious, is there going to be access to the governorship from your average everyday Utah? Yeah, there, there will. It's something I care deeply about and something that we're, we're talking about. I mean, I, you know, I'll give you one example. I've had the same cell phone number for 20 years and they told me I had to change it when I was Lieutenant governor. They told me I have to change it now that I'm governor. Um, I, I haven't done it yet and I'm going to push back on those because it, it is important that, that people can get a hold of me. It is hard. <laughs> when uh when you become governor and and that many people have your cell phone um but at at the same time i i want to uh, i i made a commitment because i i was the only candidate south of uh of, of utah county and uh, the only rural candidate in the race that i would spend more time in uh, in southern utah and and we're we're looking at ways that we can do that um and, and i'll give you another one that nobody knows yet um but i'm actually planning to have my inauguration in uh, in Washington County. Ooh, hey. It's never been done before, but uh, I, I, I want to show right out of the gate that I'm serious about doing things differently and, and being available to everyone in the state, regardless of, of geography. I might have to shave that day, Spencer, although I'm, I'm in the midst right now of no shave November, so <laughs> I'm glad that, that that will be later. That'll be in January, but uh, very cool. Uh, Obviously, some issues facing Utah, and I know those weigh heavy on your mind as you were, as you were running your candidacy. Uh, number one, for, first and foremost, is, is COVID-19, uh, and you've been part of the COVID-19 task force here in this state. Uh, can you tell us, maybe enlighten us a little bit on maybe whether there be some changes uh, to what's going on right now? I, this is an, a, a problem that nobody in history has had to deal with. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's it's vexing, and of course, other countries are seeing spikes. We're seeing a spike. Mm-hmm. Um, almost every state is seeing a spike right now, and our hospitals are are getting dangerously close to uh, being overwhelmed, especially the ICUs. Uh, we we had some great meetings with Dr. Burks from the Federal Task Force this past weekend, and two areas of emphasis um, that I think will be very hopeful to Utahns. One is we have been begging for a significant increase in rapid testing 
so that we can do asymptomatic testing and, and really get ahead of this. And uh, we've been promised that we will be getting um, significant increases of those supplies. Uh, and so that's a big deal. That's a change I think you'll see over the uh, the next few weeks. And then she was incredibly bullish, surprisingly so, so shockingly so, on, uh, on the vaccine development and uh, said that as early as the end of this month, we could have uh, the, uh, a working vaccine and, uh, of course, limited doses that would go to our, our frontline healthcare workers first and then our, our most vulnerable. Uh, but that by the, uh, the first of the year, we could start seeing really significant doses of a, a vaccine that uh, Utahns would have the option to take. And uh, that will do more than anything to get us back to normal. And so I, I, I left being much more optimistic uh, if we can weather these, uh, these next few weeks and, and couple months that we will be in a great position to get everything back to normal um, early next year. Yeah, all the amendments uh, look like they all passed, even even the controversial Amendment G. Can you address Amendment G a little bit? Uh, I, I think a lot of people are like, well, wait, well, they want to take money away from education. That doesn't make sense. Can, can you explain your perspective on that? Sure. Uh, the easiest way to describe this, and uh, the, the problem is it's, a, it's really complicated and a little wonky, but uh-huh. all this does is allow the legislature to do exactly what they've been doing over the past 10 years. Uh, uh, so I, that's, that's what I tell people. This, while it is a change in the Constitution, what they've been doing is moving money from the education fund to the general fund. And the way they did that was by moving higher education from the general fund into the education fund. Uh, but now that almost 100% of the uh, of higher ed is, is in the education fund, they can't do that, that shell game anymore. So this takes those restrictions off, allows them to do, uh, to do what they've really been doing over the last 10 years. It's not that big of a change. Um, it, it is important, though, that uh, there were promises made to the education community uh, that we would, uh, we would fully fund education and increase funding in education. And so it's, it's going to be the job of, uh, of me as the next governor and uh, our legislative leadership and, and elected officials to make sure that those promises are kept so that education is not only kept whole, but uh, that, that we have uh, that we're able to uh, to to fully fund education and uh, make sure our kids get the best education possible. We're talking with Spencer Cox, the governor-elect for the state of Utah, and again, congratulations, uh, Spencer, for uh, winning the race. Uh, I, I got to ask you, uh, you know, the the presidential election is is still up in the air. It's starting to look like, and I don't want to call anything here. I don't want to make anybody depressed, but it's starting to look like uh, Joe Biden is going to win the presidency. Uh, have you thought about how you will work with a Democratic president if that in fact happens? Well, let me just say, um, I, I've been diving into the numbers. I didn't get much of an opportunity last night. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're probably right. Um, it, it, it is looking that way. Um, it does look like, though, that the uh, that the Republicans will keep the uh, Senate. The Senate, yeah. a big deal. And that's, that's a, that really changes. It, to, to answer your question, it changes how we're, we work with the Democratic president. See, if they have all three branches of government, then it, it, gets, it gets very, very difficult. Um, with, with, sen- with the Senate holding, um, not much will get done. And that's, I, I 
tend to think that's good news for, for, for the country. Um, I, I kind of like it when the federal government does less. Um, but, but that being said, you know, we actually have experience for three years as lieutenant governor. Um, I, I, we worked very closely with the Obama administration, and, uh, and Joe Biden was, was the, the vice president. Um, interestingly enough, Governor Herbert and Joe Biden developed a, a pretty close friendship, and, uh, and uh, then uh, uh, Vice President Biden uh, re- really liked Utah and uh, came out here a few times. And so we will, uh, we will work very hard, regardless of who the president is, uh, to, to represent Utah to the federal government, to do what is best for the citizens of the state of Utah, and to push back when we disagree. And, uh, and, and more than anything, though, and, and we push this with every president, uh, and that is that the state should be doing more uh, and the federal government less. And uh, the, the good news is during a Trump administration, Democrats said, hey, we should let the states do more. And so they, they actually agreed with us. And uh, we're going to hold them to, to that. Uh, if, if it is a Biden administration, the Trump administration has been very good at giving more authority and more power to the states. And, and that's the way it should be. That's the way it was designed to be. That's the way the Constitution was written. And, uh, and, and that's the way we are going to push for over the next four years, regardless of who the president is. We have a Congressman Chris Stewart coming up in just a minute or two, uh, Spencer. So last question, that big, putting COVID-19 aside, and I know I can't really do that because it's not going away anytime <laughs> soon, but putting it aside, uh, what would you say is the biggest issue or two facing Utah as you uh, begin your governorship in January? Well, I, uh, the quick list, and, and I'd say three, one we've already talked about, and that's education. We lose about half our teachers in the first five years of their um, uh, of, of their careers, and we, we have to change that. And so making sure that, uh, that every child, regardless of zip code, um, gets a high-quality education, as, as our state constitution requires, is critical. Um, the second piece for me is, is really rural economic development. And coming out of this pandemic, we have a huge opportunity to, uh, to significantly improve what's happening in rural Utah. Uh, I think those are important. And then third is the, the growth issues that the Wasatch Front is facing, and, of course, St. George and Washington County are facing, and that's going to require significant infrastructure investment, including the Lake Powell Pipeline and some other things. And so those are the biggest projects that we'll be working on, and and, uh, we can't wait to get started. They're still going to come. We just got to be ready for it. All right, Spencer, I I know you got to go, and uh, we've got the congressman coming up. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us. And again, the, uh, the phone line is always open here on the Andy Griffin Show. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks. We'll be back again together soon. Very good. Congratulations, Spencer Cox, governor-elect of the state of Utah, won 69% of the votes here in Washington County. It's a 946 on KDXU. Thanks so much to Joe Shoney. Joe Shoney is a loan consultant here in southern Utah and has been for 25 years. His specialty is uh, making you happy, keeping you happy. Uh, Joe Shoney averages 4.91 out of five stars in 467 inter, uh, uh, reviews online. Pretty impressive stuff. Uh, Kavan says, Joe and Corey both helped out a ton in helping me get approved for a loan. They both worked hard to make me feel important and answered all my questions along the way. I highly recommend them to all my friends. Five stars. They all are like that. It's incredible. Joe Shoney, uh, phone number is 435-590-6300. Handle any kind of loan needs you might have, a home loan, home equity line, a refinance, whatever it might be. Give them a call, 435-590-6300. Welcome back to the Andy Griffin Show, 948. Got about uh, 10 minutes to spend with uh, that, that man. His name is Chris Stewart. Chris Stewart, congratulations on last night, my friend. 
Well, thank you. Uh, it's obviously a relief. We're, we're glad to have a successful campaign, but we're all holding our breath, for heaven's sake. It's mm-hmm. gut-wrenching to watch what's happening with the presidential race. It sure is, and uh, and that's one of the reasons we had to ha- ha- wanted to have you on. First of all, a, a landslide victory here in the state of Utah for you. you uh, we kind of felt it was going to happen. Did, did you have that feeling early on that, all right, I just need to hold the line and I'll be okay for, for, for yourself? Well, I mean, yes and no. We never take the, the race for granted, and I really mean that. I mean, I think every politician says that or anyone running for, you know, something challenging. Uh, but we always, I mean, we do. We, we run as if we're from behind. Uh, we, we commit every second that we can to it, every penny that we can. Uh, and then you, you wait and see what happens. Now, now, and the other thing, Andy, that's made it hard is Trump has, you know, kind of made it difficult in, in Utah because, uh, you know, he kind of cuts both ways. And, and yeah. people associate me so closely with the president. I, I think I'm closer to him than anyone else in the state of Utah. And, and uh, there's some people, if, if they don't like Trump, and there's some people who don't, then, you know, I, I have to kind of answer for that. But I'm not going to run away from that. I mean, I think he's done an incredible job as president. If I go down the list of accomplishments, it takes me a long, long time to get to the bottom. And I'm not going to apologize for my friendship and relationship with the president. But, you know, that did make it uncertain. And we had our own polling that kind of showed where we were. But, you know, we've won we won by, you know, fairly, fairly larger margin than we've won in two or three cycles. And so we're, we're really glad for that. And I just, again, we're glad to have it behind us. We appreciate our opponents, but now let's get to work. And for heaven's sakes, let's get the president over the finish line. Let's, uh, let's talk about that a little bit, uh, Chris. Um, I went to bed last night uh, after midnight. Uh, president Trump was leading in Wisconsin and Michigan. I got up this morning at, at some point between 5 a.m. and 7 a.m. Those numbers flip-flopped, and all of a sudden Biden's leading in both of those states. If he wins those two states and Nevada, that's it. It's game over. Uh, what, what can I glean from this this late change in the numbers? I mean, are there shenanigans going on? Well, I mean, when you see a dump of numbers that you know clearly are disproportionately in Biden's favor, you have to ask why. Right. And you and you've got to understand why. And I'm not saying there's shenanigans, but I'm saying there's questions and we're going to ask those questions. Um, I was I was just barely able to get on the phone with you because I was actually on the phone call with Kevin McCarthy, uh, who, of course, is the leader of the House, Republican leader. And we were talking about that and talking with the president's team. Uh, I can tell you a couple of things. Uh, unlike in the past, unlike a couple of California races in 2018, where we there is no question we lost some of those races because of uh, because of ballot harvesting, which is legal in California, which is absurd, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's such a ridiculous uh, proposition to say that people can go around and collect uh, other people's ballots by themselves with no uh, with no line of succession about you know who's had access to that ballot and then to submit hundreds or thousands of them. So we, we're, we're aware of that. And and the president and the Republicans are going to fight that we have literally nearly 5,000 lawyers that we've identified, including some here in Utah, by the way, that uh, I was asked to identify, lawyers who can, uh, who can practice in, in Nevada, in Arizona, in some of these battleground states. And the president's going to – we're going to find out if there are any, anything there that is, uh, that is askew. So that, that's the good news is that if there's something there that's not right, I think we're going to be able to identify it. But you're right. It's coming down to a couple races. I think he's probably going to win Pennsylvania. Uh, mm-hmm. but we've got to pick up one of those others. And I did the same thing as you, Andy. I went to bed feeling really good and woke up uh, with a bit of a slap in the face. But I tell you, if, if we talked last week, which we did, or the week before, we, we said it's going to be 
uh, a long process. We're probably not going to know on election night, and that's what we're seeing. And uh, the fight goes on. What are we to make of Nevada? They've uh, I, last I heard, they weren't even going to count the rest of their votes until tomorrow. Uh, they have a the numbers I'm seeing. There's only two thirds of their votes have been counted to this point, and it's extremely close, eight thousand. And believe it or not, even that's only six electoral votes. That could be the difference between Trump and Biden. Yeah, it could. Um, and, and again, it's just one of those examples of the states having different processes. And I'm disappointed in the Supreme Court and Justice uh, Chief Justice Roberts not taking on the Pennsylvania case last week and just directing the, the officials in, in the state of Pennsylvania to say, at this point, you have to cut off uh, these ballots. You can't, you can't continue to count them. And they're gonna, it's going to go back to Pennsylvania, by the way. They're going to have to answer that question. Mm-hmm. And the question is, who gets to decide the rules? Is it the legislature? Which the, which the Constitution clearly says, or is it the courts? Because you had a court come in and say, well, we don't care what the legislature said. This is what we say. And the uh, Supreme Court's going to have to rule on that. And, and I think it's almost certain they're going to rule that the courts don't get to decide that. The legislatures do. So, uh, and, and the same thing in Nevada. I mean, they have a different process where they said, well, we're not going to keep counting. And, and look, you had Florida, one of the largest states in the union, who, who did it right. They counted the votes and they reported. And it's over. Uh, and I don't know why why these other states have to have it so painful and so controversial, uh, especially at a time when our nation is so divided already. Let's not add fuel to the fire. Just have the vote, count the votes, and report it. Yeah, yeah, well said. Uh, and by the way, uh, Florida, I think maybe a little redemption from the hanging Chad era. They, You're right. They were right on it. They got the result. They were one of the first states, actually, to uh, have their votes completely in and reported. And uh, pr- President Trump winning that state. Uh, fortunately. Uh, all right. So let's, let's uh, do some what ifs, Chris. I know you don't love to do this, but uh, what if it turns out that Joe Biden is the next president of the United States? What does that mean for uh, Utahns? Well, I mean, the real tipping point here was the Senate, uh, because if, if Biden had been and if he does become the president, is there anyone in the country who doesn't uh, who doesn't think that he is uh, an empty vessel? Yeah. Uh, that he just simply doesn't have the the mental capacity, the energy that he once did. And the left, very clearly, they've been talking about it now for, for the last several weeks. I know that uh, because we're, we're aware of it in the, in the House where some of our Democratic colleagues in the House, you know, AOC and, and the squad and others are, are planning their transition and putting their policies in place. And the only thing now stopping us, and thank heaven, that regardless of who is our president, thank heaven, that we're going to keep the Senate. Uh, and, and they can be that uh, kind of firewall against this absolute insanity, this absolute nut, uh, nutty ideas saying, yeah, we think socialism is the future of our country. Well, we're not really socialists. We're democratic socialists. Well, you know what? There's no difference. Right. And you may not call yourself a socialist, but if you support socialist policies, then I think you're a socialist. And the only thing that's going to save us from that now is is the Senate, because Biden's going to go where he's pushed because he simply doesn't have the the energy or the or the fortitude now to stand up against uh, uh, this leftward lurch that his party has has gone through. They've already made some inroads. Uh, it was a month or two ago saying, uh, you know, competency to to do the job as president of the United States. A lot of people thought that was a, a shot at Trump. But actually, uh, I believe that was a, a yeah. preparatory move for what's going to happen with Joe Biden. Yeah. Well, uh, you know what? And before we go, I got I got to say there is some some good news here. And mm-hmm. and first is that the president may may still win. 
there's going to be ups and downs on this. So everyone just kind of prepare yourself for the next couple of days. Just like last night, you know, one minute I thought the president was certainly going to win, and a half hour later I thought it's all is lost. Yeah. And we're going to experience that over the, last, over the next couple of days. The second thing is the House did a remarkable thing. I mean, they were projecting we would lose between 5 and 20 seats in the House, and we're going to pick up 7, and there's 11 that are still too close to call. We may pick up a bunch of those. Uh, in, a, in, a, in a large number of those, we're actually ahead. And so uh, we're going to pick up seats in the House, and I know a lot of people go, blah, blah, it doesn't matter. But here's the deal. If we can winnow that majority down that Nancy Pelosi has to deal with, if she's got a five- or seven-seat majority and she's got the socialists on her left who are never going to support her, we can have huge influence in the House at that point. And the last thing I just think has to be said is shame, shame on the media and polling. I mean, polling is dead to me. You can screw it up once. You can say one time, well, we missed it 2016. But you can't do it twice and justify it. And I'll never believe another poll Again, because they've clearly demonstrated they're not there to tell the truth. They're there to manipulate opinion and to manipulate outcomes. And then at the end, they go, well, you know, I guess we missed that one. Let's all just move on. They can't get it wrong as consistently as they've gone in it and and maintain any credibility. Their credibility is, is as shot as the media has been shot now for years, knowing that they're not fair, they're not honest, they're not telling the truth. Well said, Chris Stewart. I know you have to go, but thank you so much for coming on today. Congratulations again for your win. And, again, let's all just keep our fingers crossed, maybe hit our knees. Uh, just to, to maybe the president thing will turn out okay. Yeah, hit our knees. That's good advice. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Author, uh, of course, congressman, good, good guy, Chris Stewart, uh, winning last night, winning convincingly, convincingly. But, again, uh, he has his heart and uh, as his heart is all tied up in this presidential election and uh, he said all's not lost it's not over yet uh, i agree with him i in fact that was one of the topics i had written down for today's show was shame on the polling uh the media polls the, the, the even the poll you know the people that do pro- professional polls uh, because what they've done in so many of these states that were so close they've influenced people now say oh, what do you mean they didn't make them vote yeah but People want to vote for a winner, and if you think somebody's winning already, uh, the odds of you voting for them, maybe not in Utah, maybe not a conservative St. George, but the odds of someone who's maybe 50-50 trying to decide who to vote for, if they see a poll that says uh, Biden's winning anyway, he's by up by 9, 8, eight 9, 10, 11 points, 12 points in my state, you're going to go, eh, I guess I'll just vote for him because then I can say I voted for the president of the United States. It's deceitful. It's dishonest. It's evil. That's the word. It's evil that they would do that to us. The polls were way, way off again. Uh, unfortunately, they seem to have influenced some of the really close races. It's not over, though, folks. Hope is not lost. The president, all he has to do is tip one of those states, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nevada. All he has to do is tip one of those states, and he can still be a two-term president, President Donald Trump. I'm Andy Griffin. Thanks for listening today. Uh, Tomorrow is Thursday, Mayor Thursday, as John Pike will join me. We'll get an update on No Shave November and other issues uh, pressing here in St. George. 